And welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Jamie Wojciechowski. And I'm Marilyn Brown. And today we are discussing the March for Our Lives rally that happened over the weekend. And I think just the movement at large as, as well. Um, I guess we'll just open it up. Uh, I don't think either of us uh, attended the march, um, but I'm curious, uh, I guess, why you made the choice not to attend. And yeah, we'll start there, I guess. Yeah, actually, you know what? It wasn't really a conscious decision not to attend. I've kind of been unplugged from a lot of things lately and so in my mind I knew that there was a rally that was or March that was happening on the weekend but I kind of was getting it mixed up with um, the other one with the with the school walkout and so I kind of Mm. just wasn't really aware and then I would I kept seeing the date but it wasn't really dawning on me that it was a Saturday until I had already scheduled work commitments during the time and so I wasn't able to attend but you know I was very excited to watch once I, you know, was back and was able to kind of see what was going on and just support it. But it was, it was really um, just exciting to see something that was, that was driven by the youth. Um, Right. You know, and so, but yeah, so I just kind of like, I was kind of bummed out that morning when I was kind of getting ready to do other things and I was seeing all the coverage and I was like, oh, how did I not realize that this was today? And so I was kind of bummed out that I wasn't able to attend, but those are kind of things that I have to plan ahead of time and kind of be aware you know logistics and stuff so yeah i i'm kind of on the same boat i guess uh i i was a little bit of a conscious decision um because uh one is uh i fully support the the rally um but uh i tend to not feel very comfortable at rallies um it's just not the the form of activism i prefer i go to a lot of them just to be a a body and because i support them but for this one i thought uh because i engage in a lot of conversations with people who are uh on the fence on this issue or or just completely disagree so i thought uh it was important to watch what was coming out of dc as opposed to what was coming out of la and kind of engage with people that I knew were on the fence um, to try to get them not to change their mind, but to just uh, plug in to to what was happening. Because I think a lot of their uh, opinions on it are from not plugging in themselves and just hearing secondhand information that they're seeing on social media and stuff like that, and not really having a fully independent, uh, educated uh, stance on the issue, if that makes sense. And and I thought too, I thought that what, what I liked about it was no matter where you stand on the, the the gun issue i guess I, I thought it was just great to see like you said uh the youth kind of empowered and and talking about things they care about and yes there was a lot of uh i guess p- political talk about what they wanted with gun reform but i felt there was also a lot of uh just talk about 
the youth becoming engaged and, and feeling like they have power to create change within our political system, which I think is very vital because I think we, over the last decade, I think the, I, and I think it's a while and I think it's, it's kind of, the youth is always kind of under engaged in, in voting and the political process a lot of the time. So it was just nice to kind of see so many young people kind of um, out there and, and really caring about this issue. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. That really excited me. And I feel like for me, I, I think it's been a couple of decades that I haven't, that I haven't really seen youth be as excited to engage in just creating change in some form. And I don't, not saying that it hasn't happened, but I know like for myself, when I, was graduating high school and going into college, there wasn't really something that like I felt inspired to engage in. I wasn't really like I, I registered to vote and I voted as soon as I could, which was when I was 18 um, in that that uh, presidential election. I didn't get involved in voting in midterms, didn't even really pay any attention or care about any of that. Um, but I did vote, but it wasn't like I was like excited and looked at it like this privilege that I get to now participate in creating, you know, the, the world that we're living in or the country that we're living in. And so I think, but I see that in the youth now, you know, I, I was, um, when I was watching the coverage, there's a lot of drive to register the youth to vote. And so in California, for example, we have like pre-registration. So 16 to 18 year olds. Um, if you're not 18 yet, you can start registering and pre-register to vote at 16 years old. And there's been a big movement and a drive in getting youth signed up to vote. And I, I can see the the excitement when you hear these um, young people talking about the issues and talking about their concern. You can hear that they are educated and they are they are learning and they're really. Um, I, I feel like they're not. You know, there's a lot of criticism about just, you know, how much can can their voices really, I don't know if it's how much can they understand. I feel like I hear a lot of kind of criticism about, like, they're too young to kind of understand the issues. And, and I think, I don't know that any of us really fully grasp all of the issues, which is why I think everybody's voice is so important. And so I love that, you know, you hear and see youth that are really excited to engage and feeling called to engage and and to continue the fight and, and that they're being intentional about how they're doing it that they're looking at multiple different um avenues to try to create change and and i think that's that that inspires me and and gets me excited for how can i support them and how can i create some sort of change in my own in my own work yeah uh, something that stuck out to me uh, and it's just since uh the the Parkland students have kind of been in the spotlight is uh, their kind of view of the world. And to me, it's just a very heightened sense. That's is something I only really see when I'm talking to other activists who are doing a lot of research about the, the issues. Um, an example is, uh, at the rally, the amount of privilege checking that was kind of happening. Um, and it's just interesting because going back to kind of the, the condescension and the, that a lot of 
them are receiving from other people saying that they don't understand the issues and they're too young and all these things. The media doesn't feed us these complex uh, thoughts of privilege and stuff. They they make it very kind of mundane and, and easy to grasp and kind of dualistic. Um, so to see these kids kind of have very complex understandings of issues that aren't covered tells me that they are actually very educated because they are getting this information from somewhere that's beyond the media and and what and so and social media and and things like that because they're very and i don't know if it's the, the school they're at um or what it is but yeah and i think that and it was just it was great to see so much checking of privilege and what go ahead go ahead yeah and no, i was gonna say that was kind of one of my I guess, I mean, I don't know if there's a favorite thing about it, but one of the things that really excited me the most about this march and, and what I saw with the coverage and how the Parkland students who are leading it really intentionally spoke about their privilege and how they're using their 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 platform and recognizing that they have this big light shining on them right now to shine a light on other people who have experienced gun violence and haven't had, had that um that same platform and that same voice and that have been fighting against um, gun violence for a long time. And so they intentionally spoke about Black Lives Matter. They intentionally brought Black Lives Matter activists into the space and provided them with it with, with an amplified platform. And I think that really speaks to what you're saying about their deep understanding of these issues, recognizing that it isn't black and white, that it is very, very intersectional and, and nuanced. And we have to be able to speak to all of those things. And I just, you know, I mean, you look at these, these young people who it's like, I feel like we're already forgetting what they experienced. At least I know I do because of how amazing they are and how, how, how articulate they are and how passionate they are about the fight. You forget that this all started six weeks ago because they lost people in their community they lost schoolmates and they were they had to experience this severe severe trauma and so it's really really remarkable to me to see how they're able to recognize even in that that they're not that still they have privilege that still they have a bigger mm -hmm. platform than others and still be able to see how important it is to talk about that. I think that like, that was just one of the things that like watching the coverage just really gave me chills and, and made me emotional just kind of seeing that, because I think that's something that activists have been fighting for the adult spaces to kind of, you know, the adult driven spaces to kind of curate that and to, to be able to, um, recognize that and be more aware of the privilege and i think that like it seems like it's a lot harder for us you know older you know adult activists to do it than it is for these young people to really just kind of recognize that and make that a very important part of their fight right and i think well, we talked about I idealism on the on the last episode and i think that's a big part of it and i think too there's uh it's interesting because the more young people who are involved I, I talk to, it, it's interesting the more I see them kind of rebelling against uh, the 
oversimplification of of issues, right? The, and they're they're sick of the the partisan BS and the the talking points and and the kind of distractions, right? They want real solutions, and I think the thing that makes them so so effective is that they under because they want real solutions and they're not just fighting for one thing no matter what they're seeing things as they really are and that is that intersectionality and and they see that gun violence is connected to systemic racism and is good is is connected to uh the economic situation in our country and they see how everything kind of works together and that there's not one blanket solution um and it, it's very counter to again the the media narrative were given that these issues are all separate and that there's fixes for each thing, but that they somehow don't touch one another. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really, that's a really important point is that I, that it's like they haven't really joined a, a team yet or a faction as far as like what they've kind of decided. Like we've, a lot of adults have become so, tribal in their viewpoints and their politics that they're unwilling to see something else and so anything that that could possibly threaten that viewpoint gets deflected gets you know pushed out whereas they're just looking for like what do we do about this like this mm-hmm. is an issue and we haven't even we're we're still developing how we feel about you know what i mean it's like they haven't really gotten this these like i don't even want to use the word partisan but just kind of these like cemented in viewpoints that I think oftentimes we kind of, as adults have kind of cloaked ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, they're just talking points, right? It's the, it's the difference between actually wanting to engage mindfully to fix a problem and just sticking to your talking point. Because I think that in the, the gun control debate, I think the problem is, is that there really is no debate. There's those who are demand that, that really want uh, gun reform. And then there's other, the other side doesn't really say anything. They scream like mental health and all these things, but they don't propose anything to actually fix it. And when they propose things, they're just, I mean, they're ridiculous. Like the arming teachers and, and things like that. They're just, it's not things that, are going to be helpful. We are. Isn't that what one of the yeah. Also said Rick like, Santorum said, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. Deflections and it's. Yeah. And I just feel like if and I have this, this conversation a lot with people who are, who own guns and, and are very passionate about the the second amendment. And even they are able to see that, we need to focus on solutions and they have ideas. They're just kind of drowned out. Right. Cause it's a complex, it's, it's a, it's a complex situation and it makes it harder when again, the, the media and the, and the politicians try to overly simplify it because you kind of get into this, well, do gun laws work and gun laws or they don't work. And it's like, well, that's not how, reality works like certain laws are going to work better than others so we have to look at where has this worked and what were the what was the situation that allowed this to work versus where this doesn't work um 
right yeah and i mean i think that like that that happens and that like it, it's like all the gray gets drowned out and mm-hmm. so we're only listening to the very, like, very, very polarized black and the very, very polarized white and anything in between and kind of the gray, more nuanced solutions nobody's listening to. But also those things aren't, I think, is fun to debate about. I think those are things, those things are less like, it, those things are less enticing. And so mm-hmm. it's hard because we also have to balance the fact that like humans, as humans, we're drawn to certain things. And so you see why the news cycle kind of goes over certain things over and over and over again, because that's what we're drawn to. We're drawn to those things, even if it's broadening our awareness or not, you know, we're we're very drawn to certain kind of types of things. And so I think like the conversations that are more nuanced and actually more solution focused totally get drowned out, you know? And then I think there's, there's this, this, um, epidemic of like what about ism where it's just well, what about this and what about that and all these things are kind of brought into it and actually i wanted to ask you about one thing that really i mean i guess it didn't bother me because i i've expected this kind of a response but i guess just every time i see it i'm just i don't know i i don't know how i feel about it so one of the responses that i've seen with the parkland students and the marches and how big the marches were and how much support they got, how much coverage they got was that it was paid for by, I don't even know, like a bunch of different people that are not these students and that they really didn't organize this themselves and that they're not ones that have these viewpoints and that it's kind of like driven by um, other liberal organizations that are kind of behind it and basically like paying everybody to be there and that the Parkland actors are crisis actors. And I mean, you know, part of me doesn't want to pay any attention to it, but at the same time, I see that like people really, really believe it. And it's kind of like, I don't know. So I guess I'm wondering like, what do you, how do you kind of, I've seen a lot of that. And when I look at who the people are, who believe it, um, they tend to be of an older generation that is not the young people. And I think that is, uh, I think that is why these, students in particular are being so effective is because they've grown up with social media and Twitter and have the ability to deal with trolls and like our generation or above is able to. They are just not affected by it. They grew up with it. It's just something they know day to day and they just ignore it. Um, And I think that's what really gives them a lot of power because I mean, it's just, it's just noise and it's it's going back to um talking about uh what's what's enticing right but the the other side of that is it's also what stops change and there is incentive for these lobbying groups and for politicians to keep us divided and and silence that kind of gray area because it stops change from happening if we were meeting in the middle to actually talk about solutions solutions would be occurring and we'd be making change. So I think that's kind of, and I don't think that's new, right? I think you look at any movement and I think that's just how it works. You have people trying to stop change and people trying to create change, whether you agree with the change or not, but the the tactics of how each group does it is kind of always been the same. Of course it adapts now with the internet age and, and stuff like that, but at the root it's, it's all what's the intention. It's not really about a lot of the time actually solving 
real issues, which is a shame. Right, right. And it's it's not like trolls are, you know, mindful of age and things like that. And so, you know, it's mm-hmm. like I think as I'm watching it, 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 it bugged me more than like it, it usually doesn't bug me at all. And I don't even really pay much attention to it. But this time, like I kept finding myself getting like a little offended and having, you know, feeling like these are young people. Like what are you know, what's wrong with people? What are they doing? But then I'm like, you know what? But like it's you're right. It's just part of that noise. And that's kind of just part of it's just part of it. You know. mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you you see that. I mean, you're you're just always going to see it. So I just try not to be uh, affected by it. And I think the amount, based on the amount of people who showed up, and from the people, Republican, Democrat, all different uh, economic levels, the people I've been talking to, I think the vast majority, uh, even if they don't agree with gun control um saw the demonstration uh through kind of a positive civil lens um i think those who kind of really tried to create a a, i'm gonna i mean it's a false narrative of kind of these kids being bought out and all this stuff i think is really a very small portion of people yeah yeah Yeah. The other thing that I just loved, it's, I think the thing, it was the inclusion again, like you had um, Yolanda Renee King. Um, and I thought that that was an interesting thing going back to what we were talking about, because I think out of all the kind of uh, condescending remarks, I felt the most I was seeing were not, I, I, they weren't at her, but at the inclusion of her because she was so young. Um, which I thought was interesting because she really didn't say anything beyond a a general kind of idea of what her grandfather would have said, right? She didn't come out and say, we need this kind of gun control and I support like all these things that clearly someone her age isn't going to understand. She basically came out and said, I have a dream that I'll be safe at school. And I thought, I mean, for me, it was very powerful um, for that intersectionality, but also just, uh, just for the, the, the activist kind of mentality and then fight for change. And just seeing that uh, this is something that really touches each generation um, and empowers each generation in their own way. And to see his granddaughter kind of already being engaged and having such a a strong uh, moral compass, I guess, is just wonderful to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's very inspiring. Just kind of, yeah, it was just, it was a very inspiring thing to watch. Yeah, I'm interested to see, I guess, where it goes, um, because it's kind of similar to what we talked after the women's marches. These marches now are so well organized because of social media and the reach um, is is so large that they are these huge events. But it's always interesting to see kind of what effect they actually have beyond people feeling like there's solidarity 
Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that the Parkland activists are really um, talking about already addressing. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's still it's still early enough that like it, we, we aren't far enough out where it's where we'll really be able to see how it goes. But I think that's one of the things that they've been intentional in talking about and like scheduling things. I know there's some there's a there's a March or a, I can't remember if it's a school walkout or a March, but there's something in April um, next month and just kind of keeping things going and intentionally um, continuing to do the work and to continuing to kind of um make this their mission so Mm -hmm. i'm excited to see how they continue to like keep us engaged and keep that movement going because i think like this is something that they've already kind of talked about that we've seen this peter out before we've seen these things peter out and we don't want that to happen again and we're not letting that happen again so yeah um, i'm inspired to see because i feel like if anybody can keep things going and keep us working towards change i think that what we're seeing from this group that that they can do it. Yeah, and I think the power they'll have uh, is very much growing, especially in that intersectionality, because even just involving Black Lives Matter as much as they did, and I've already seen a lot um, from the students talking about the the recent police shootings that have happened and stuff like that, and kind of bringing that all together, bringing in what's happening in Chicago, all that stuff, I think, gives them more power. Um, because it it shows that all these groups are now unifying as opposed to being separate. And when you're, I mean, when you're unified, you're just harder to, I mean, when you're all separate, it's it's easier to kind of manipulate and, and keep you down. But the more we all unify, the, the harder it is. So totally. Yeah. That's, that's our strength. And I think kind of referencing back to what you were saying earlier, there's the, these forces that kind of try to keep things separate and try to get us to not see the intersectionality and work together. But the more we can kind of recognize that we're really working towards a lot of the same things, I think that like we'll continue to be stronger. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to, to, I mean, it's hard uh, because clearly we try to stay as mindful as possible, but we clearly have a, a political leaning of, our own. And I think, I mean, I'm very progressive. Um, and it's interesting because I think I try to engage more and more with people who aren't, um, and try to find a way to have, uh, meaningful dialogue. And I think an important part of that is, and this isn't really related to the march or anything, but uh, I think an important part of that is really doing a lot of mindfulness and kind of self-reflection of what is important to you and make sure that you are holding everyone to the same standards, not just those you oppose. Um, because I was talking to, there was a, a friend of mine had a, a Facebook post um, and posted about uh, one of the students in his speeches. And the, instantly there was a lot of like, well, they're not taking my guns and trying to discredit the kid. And, and someone posted a Fox news article that had a picture of the kid um, at the end, raising his fist, which anyone who's an activist knows that that is a symbol for 
unity and for solidarity and has been sent for a hundred years. Um, but they, in, I mean, it, it's very clear they intentionally cut off the top of his head. So it looked like he was doing a Nazi salute. Um, and a lot of people were kind of commenting on that. So I went in and I hadn't commented for a while, but I just kind of put up like the difference between those two gestures. Right. And a lot of people acknowledged like, oh, well, good. He didn't do that. But and then had like a new kind of talking point. And all I said was, uh, well, I'm not going to argue with you about guns versus not guns because that wasn't the intent of what was posted i'm just basically telling you he wasn't doing a nazi salute and here's the difference and we should all agree whether that this type of propaganda is not useful whether it's something we want to believe or coming from the side we feel we're a part of or not the other it's like um occupied democrats the they post a lot of things that are basically the liberal version of Fox News. And I'm consistently sending articles, posting articles that show that whatever they're posting is not factually correct, even though I would love it to be factually correct because I'm a progressive. But the reality is it's not. And having propaganda on either side is not helpful to us actually fixing problems and moving forward. I guess any last words on this topic? Um, no, I can't really think of anything. I'm just going to be, you know, just excited to see what happens and kind of how things continue to move forward. Cause I really do feel like there's a shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, getting the people engaged is the biggest thing because I mean, all the polls show that whether you agree with it or not, the polls show that, I mean, the majority of Americans support these basic gun reforms. So as soon as we are able to get past the, the lobbying forces, um, if we can get past the lobbying forces, which very well may never happen, um, the change will happen. So that's really the fight that's happening. And I think the fight that the kids are aware of, because I... I think that's also why they don't engage with the trolls because they realize the trolls really have no power in this. They're such a small minority and they're not actually influencing anything because public opinion doesn't agree with the trolls. So they're really focused on the, the lobbyists, on the, the NRA, on the organizations that they feel are contributing to gun violence, whether you agree with that or not, but that's what they're doing to try to be effective. Yeah. Yeah. And the organizations that are hindering the change that the people already recognize that they want. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't think I have any homework unless, I mean, there's some great speeches. The um, Emma Gonzalez speech I thought was great. The, Yolanda Renee King, the Naomi um, Wedler. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, yeah. Naomi's speech was probably the best of the event, in, in my opinion, um, in that it really got to the the heart of the intersectionality and the, the privilege and how really big uh, these issues are. Yeah. She's 11. I know. 
<laughs> incredible. I was just like so, so, so inspired by these kids. I was like watching and like crying and happy and yeah. Yeah, that's why I, it almost, it's hard for me not to laugh when I do see things about, well, they're just kids, they don't know any better. And I'm listening to them speak in these speeches and, and not even just the speeches in these interviews that they're doing that are not scripted in any way. And I'm like, they're more articulate and, and have more statistics and resources than the vast majority of adults I know. Um, so I, I mean, I have no problem trusting those kids leading a movement that, I fully support. Yeah, yeah, totally. I 100% agree. So homework is if you hadn't watched the speeches, then definitely watch the speeches. And also check out Vic Mensa's performance, We Could Be Free. That song is amazing. Mm-hmm. Really good awesome. performance. Okay. Well, see everybody or you'll hear us uh, next week. We'll be back. See you next time.